Live. Welcome to the program. Phones are open for you to bring up whatever is on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Chris. We're going to start out tonight talking about the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. There was something in the news that caught my attention. Uh, Some people were sharing it on social media. And they're interpreting it as though the, the, the SEC, which has been in recent years targeting cryptocurrency companies like Library, for instance, LBRY.com, the decentralized blockchain-based uh, media sharing protocol. But there is a company that, that is sort of behind it. Library's protocol, of course, is something the government can't really do anything about because that's out there in the wild. Anybody can can copy it. It's open source and all that. But they've been harassing the company for years. And of course, not just library. They've been going after um, a, a variety of other cryptocurrency-related businesses and making life very difficult for them, making them have to pay millions of dollars in defense attorneys' fees just to try to you know, take the position that, hey, we're not a security. And have to argue this with the SEC. And what has happened here, and there's a couple different stories. I know you want to talk about they're expanding to crack down even harder. Oh, yeah. But the news here, and I, again, I saw it just as an excerpt from a court decision. Uh, and I don't have the details on which court. I'll pull that up here in just a second. But it looks like, okay, Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled, according to Reuters, that the Securities and Exchange Commission in-house judges violate the U.S. Constitution by denying fraud defendants their right to a jury trial and acting without necessary guidance from Congress. Wait, what? There, this could be basically an overturning of the administrative tribunal. Basically, is the there idea- is an administrative tribunal? Of course, there is, and and they and they have like authority of a judge and and, and can convict like companies or people or something i think so well maybe maybe not after this court decision it's a two to uh two to one ruling so not the full circuit court what Mm -hmm. i forget what they call that where it's just a portion of the court that uh, that looks at a case but the court ruled in favor of a hedge fund manager george jarsky jr jarksy jr and investment advisor patriot 28 llc overturning an sec administrative law judge's determination that they committed securities fraud Spokesperson for the SEC and counsel for the petitioners didn't respond to a request for comment. The Dodd-Frank Act, which Congress passed in 2008, expanded the SEC's ability to seek penalties in its administrative proceedings. In its ruling Wednesday, the majority of the court said that because seeking penalties is akin to a debt collection, which is a private right, the defendants are entitled to a jury trial. Hmm. The SEC had argued that it was acting to protect investors and enforce public rights found in the security laws. The majority also found that SEC judges, known as administrative law judges, lack authority under the Constitution because Congress didn't provide guidance on when the SEC should bring cases in-house instead of to a court. And these, uh, they talk about which judges said yes and no and so on. The U.S. Supreme Court has now agreed to review a Fifth Circuit decision against the SEC in another case challenging the agency's in-house tribunal. So it's been called into question. Here's the uh, here's an excerpt from the case itself. 
says the SEC brought an enforcement action within the agency against petitioners for securities fraud. An SEC administrative law judge adjudged the petitioners liable and ordered various remedies, and the SEC affirmed on appeal over several constitutional arguments that petitioners raised. So, just to recap that, somebody got essentially persecuted administratively. So when something happens administratively within a government bureaucracy, you never see the inside of a courtroom. This reminds me very much of a situation I think involving you, Ian, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. You with had a DMV. A, uh, with a DMV mm-hmm. where like, you won a criminal case or something and then you got administratively you know, spanked. That's right. And I had to go to administrative tribunal yeah. and appear and you know, make arguments and all that. And that was actually where Mark Stevens from Adventures from Legal Land uh, represented me for a time <laughs> until they kicked him out of the court or the court. The tribunal. Quote unquote, the tribunal. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about an administrative tribunal. This is not a court. You don't have the same rights as you would have in a court, like the right to a jury trial, for instance. So that's what the SEC did to, did to these people, and it's what it, it does to a lot of people. Apparently, you do have that right, and it's just now being affirmed. Right, by the Fifth yeah. uh, Circuit Court of Appeals. So, Unfortunately, a lot of people probably got... Uh you know, uh, harmed in the process over a year, a yeah. number of years. Yeah, who knows how long this has been going on for? They say here that, uh, so again, they then appealed. To, so the, uh, the people, the sec was going after then appealed to the sec, which of course is going to get you the same exact right. result. Uh, and so then they brought it to an actual court and they said, we hold that one, the sec's in-house adjudication of their case violated their seventh amendment right to a jury trial Two. Congress unconstitutionally delegated legislative power to the SEC by failing to provide an intelligible principle by which the SEC would exercise the delegated power in violation of Article 1's vesting of all legislative power into Congress. So basically saying, Congress, you have no ability to delegate your legislative power. That's that's kind of interesting. Um, I'm wondering if that also means other institutions. Yeah, administrative, like, you know, quote unquote courts will also be um you know unconstitutional based on this ruling because I That's believe what I'm hoping they established some sort of copyright court, although it was sort Ooh. of a voluntary thing, I think. And I think that passed, but I'm not hundred percent sure actually. I think it did. I'm pretty sure it did. Um but then there's also I think there's some other other like court like like and again this is probably at the federal level so I'm not sure if this applies to the states or not but yeah I don't know about that. It, there's also state courts in or many states that have like administrative kind of sure. Uh, tribunals for you know all sorts of things so the final point here number three statutory removal restrictions on the sec uh a l j i don't know what that stands for violate the take care clause act of article two because the agency proceedings were unconstitutional we grant the petition for review vacate the decision of the sec and remand it for further proceedings consistent with this opinion so you know, if it, I don't think this is going to send the entirety of the U.S. federal government's bureaucracy crumbling. Certainly, the SEC is going hmm. to appeal this. It's going to likely go to the Supreme Court. But it is an interesting uh, ruling, basically saying that yeah, your whole administrative process it violates the Constitution. It's kind of interesting uh, by comparing comparing it to other sorts of mm, legal legalese kind of stuff that they've ruled legal like for example they don't know warrant the supreme court rules to administratively like enter your premises like your building uh who the cops the u.s supreme court okay so they ruled that basically they can come in without a warrant and the police can uh, 
administrate and people who I don't know about not necessarily the police, but administrative people. Mm. Basically, they don't need a warrant in order to enter. That's disturbing. Um, extremely disturbing. And I think that's not the case in New Hampshire because mm. I think we passed a law here, and some states have uh, to change that. But yeah, it's quite disturbing. But it's wow. it's kind of interesting to contrast the two rulings. They seem to be like following, like they're kind of opposing each other almost. Mm. And in the sense that this one here you know, establishes, you know, your right. But then on the other hand, they took away your right, you know, uh, to, yeah. um, you know, warrantless searches in, in some instances. Well, of course, when you're dealing with courts, you're just dealing with men and women with opinions. Right. right. So, and, and then they make this like conflicting, almost sounding, yeah. you know, I mean, different topics a little bit, but still. Well, and as we've seen with Roe versus Wade and other cases sure. in the past, I can the change it. Supreme Court can change their opinion over time and sometimes that's good sometimes not so much Mm. um so ultimately i I think it was actually mark stevens who said that law is just an opinion backed by a gun yep that's all it really breaks down to um so i i felt like this was a little bit optimistic as far as some some news surprising news basically saying yeah if the sec comes after you administratively they really shouldn't be doing that because it denies your right to a jury trial i mean they're they're punishing people without the right to a jury. It seems pretty pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it does. You kind know? of. It, you know, oh, another one would be um, the FCC or maybe the FAA. Even Ooh, there's another example. Yeah. Of, you know, uh, agencies that I believe have administrative type powers. Great point. And of course, the FCC is noteworthy because they've never gone after any uh, unlicensed broadcasters in court. But they have certainly threatened them. Oh hell yeah! They threaten the yeah. hell out of them. They scare them into paying up. Yep. And then if they can get them to pay, then you know, then it's over. There's more coming up here at 603-283-6160. Meanwhile, the SEC is continuing to expand its bureaucracy. Chris has that story, and you can share your thoughts on Free Talk. This is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Coming up, got a little bit of good news. I didn't get to it last night. Uh, about a friend of the show and occasional co-host. We haven't had him on in a while because he's uh, he's been facing his own criminal charges. But he just beat three of them. We'll tell you about uh, what happened to Savage Truth 603 nice. this week. Here tonight, it's Ian and Chris. And, of course, uh, the, the number is 603-283-6160. Uh, I do want to let you know about Bitcoin.com. If you are ready to start learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, get over to Bitcoin.com, hit the Get Started link at the top of the page, and you can start learning about crypto. Might be a good time to do it right now. I think the prices are at around the price of uh, Bitcoin BTC, the original, the granddaddy of all of them is uh, I'll give you an updated price here, just around $29,000 today, so below thirty. All I know is if if I if I had the cash to buy and I was a buyer, I would mm. be buying right now because it, like it usually when it goes drops, it hasn't usually dropped by more than like a little bit more than half. So mm-hmm. like we're probably at a low point. You think so? You never know for sure, but yeah. it's it seems like it sure seems like it. Like you can't. You're probably not going to be able to get much lower. Some people believe of, it's going to keep on tumbling. There's why? Th- but what basis? What's the basis of I that? Know. Everybody like, has their own opinions I, about these things. I I don't know. I, I've never seen it hit like a certain high and then drop by more than like around half ish. I guess so. the theory is is that uh, I saw one theory that if Tether starts to fail, 
uh, which Tether is the world's largest, what they call stable coin. It's ostensibly backed by dollars, but Tether has never really shown a straight audit mm-hmm. on their money. They've always just claimed to have what they need, but they don't ever really prove it. Yes. Uh, and apparently Tether's fallen by like $10 billion in the last week or so. So at the same time that the uh, decentralized stablecoin UST took a total fall and completely failed... Yep. Within the last two weeks, Tether's also been wobbling a little bit, and it's the number one largest stablecoin out there. And so the hmm. theory is if that uh, depegs or somehow completely implodes, then that could harm the price I mean, of Bitcoin. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But how would that happen if they actually have assets backing it? But that's the thing. The theory is that they don't. The theory is they only right. have a fraction of the right, assets right, right, backing right. it. Okay, fair enough. So they, they've never proven it. Right, and, and no I audit. mean that's true. That's true. I mean, if it is a scam or a fraud, yeah. tether, then maybe. But I, I, it seems like if, if in fact they do have, you know, if it's backed one to one, or at least there's more assets than, or even even if there isn't more assets, because I mean, look, you've got dollars, and dollars in theory are sort of well, they got fractional reserve banking, and and fractional reserve banking has worked to some degree or for the most part, right? So. Uh, you know how well you know we can argue over, but yeah, I don't know. We'll you know? see how it goes. Uh, but that said, you made the point. We don't know for sure what's going to happen yep. with the price. Definitely not. Uh, but it is definitely down. And of course, that's why you don't ever want to throw everything in all at once. If you're interested in getting into cryptocurrency, if you're going to do it, I like dollar cost averaging. I if like you're going to, I I totally agree with you on this. A little bit over time, but at least if you're going to get into it, get it in at a low point. Don't get it at a high point because if I've you can seen, avoid that. Yeah. I've seen people do it. But I will say one thing. Um, I have I I have told people you know this isn't a good time to get in. And then, of course, they don't they don't get in quite as big. And then it ends up being three or four years later. And then all of a sudden they still have made tons of money off of yeah. it just because it's that's how that's how it is. You know, if you hold on to it long enough, tends to work out. Yeah. Uh, so go to Bitcoin dot com. Click get started to start learning about Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash. We're going to continue. Of course, we'll take your calls and thoughts. We started out with a story about the SEC. Sounds like their administrative tribunal just got overturned by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, I presume they're going to appeal this decision to the U.S. Supreme Court, so I don't think the story is over yet when that uh, when it comes to that. But, Chris, you also had a story uh, about the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, a government bureaucracy making life very difficult for any U.S.-based cryptocurrency firm. It's basically to the point where if you... Our cryptocurrency developer, if you're somebody who's coming up, cooking up the newest thing, that what might be the new hot thing in crypto, uh, or you're trying to join the, the DeFi uh, scene, de- decentralized finance, you better just not base your company out of the United States because you're going to have to throw millions of dollars at defending yourself, just like Library is doing, LBRY.com, with the SEC and it it's just it's got to really suck to be in that situation. I mean, I know how bad it is being <laughs> under criminal charges by the federal government, completely bogus criminal charges, but it's got to be just as frustrating. I mean, even though there's no jail time per se for the uh, the folks at library, but there is the potential ruination now, uh, of their business. I thought that was criminal against at least uh Jeremy. I've not heard of him being arrested if that's the case. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about an arrest either, but I understood it to be criminal. Uh, I, I thought it was a criminal as, as far as I don't what think I so. I think they're just trying to determine whether or not that uh, the library token is a security. So, so it would S- be civil then? Yeah. So the SEC okay. is, they're, they're doing depositions and stuff, so it's okay. a civil case. Okay. Uh, so the SEC is trying to argue that it's a security and the library is saying, nah. 
And so that, you know, if it turns out to be a security, maybe they will issue fines against library in that particular case. But I don't think you would see an arrest. Hmm. Interesting. That's, I mean, I'm no expert on these things. So what is, uh, what's the news about? Yeah, so SEC. So this is from uh, CNN Business, apparently. SEC launches a hiring spree to fight cryptocurrency fraud. So, hmm. yeah, um, I, I, I thought this was interesting just because it's like, okay, okay what, what, what fraud are we talking about? Because, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's fraud, but my suspicion is they're not actually talking about the people committing the fraud. They're talking about people who are doing things like selling cryptocurrency. But I don't know. We'll or see. competing with the banks in some yes, way, shape, right. or form, or the stock market. Right, right, right. The Securities and Exchange Commission is vastly expanding its fight against cryptocurrency fraud by hiring more than a, to- a dozen new employees to combat cybercrime, the agency said Tuesday. The additional 20 de- uh, positions will result in almost a doubling in the size of the agency's cyber unit, <laughs> which is also being renamed the Crypto Assets and Cyber Unit to reflect the group's growing mission. The SEC said in a release, the cyber unit was first founded within the SEC's enforcement division in 2017. I, I think this is my, my gut feeling is this may be a scare story to get people to pay their crypto taxes, but I'm not 100 hmm. sure. Uh, but is that even what the SEC does? No. Wouldn't that be the IRS? So I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. IRS. By nearly doubling the size of their, I might be thinking of another story that was in regard to the IRS, though, because I think the IRS was also hiring. So. I'm probably just thinking of the wrong story. Yeah, here. there's an all-out assault against cryptocurrency oh, in for sure. the United States government. And look, if you want to protect people from uh, crypto fraud, just tell them to be careful when they're opening emails. I mean, I get all day long. You know, most of them go to my spam folder, but uh, I get crypto fraud emails constantly. There's, I mean, the problem is there's a deeper underlying problem when it comes to people who get deceived. Uh, when it comes to frauds, it, it, it's not cryptocurrency. If it wasn't cryptocurrency, and here's the thing, it, there was a time before cryptocurrency, and these frauds also happened then. They sure did. So yeah. it's not cryptocurrency that's the problem. The problem is a lot of it is people who are, you know, they may be vulnerable uh, individuals who can't distinguish, I don't know, something that's legit and not. But sure. these are also people who probably shouldn't be, you know, managing their own finances. Yeah, they shouldn't you have know? a checkbook. Yeah, there was a point at which my grandparents had dementia or you know, right. something like that. And anybody who, who came by and knocked on the door and wanted to get them to write a check could probably finagle them into writing a check for something, right? So yep. they, were in a, they, they couldn't handle that stuff anymore. And uh, we got more coming up here on what exactly they're doing. They're going to expand their so-called crypto fraud division in the SEC. And you can join us and bring up whatever's on your mind at 603-283-6160. Bring up uh, whatever you want. That is the point here on Free Talk Live. It's open phones every night. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Phones are open if you want to join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got Ian and Chris. I want to say thanks to Nelson Aquino, who is a Free Talk Live supporter. 
of our AMPS Patreon. Nelson is a platinum level, which means he's doing at least 25 bucks a month to help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. It uh, helps us. We definitely appreciate it. Nelson, thank you for uh, your support over there. And you can go to amps.freetalklive.com to join us. That's amps.freetalklive.com. If you value what we do here and you're willing to spend five bucks a month to support Free Talk Live, you can do that easily with your PayPal, your debit card, credit card over at amps.freetalklive.com. You get some cool benefits for doing that as well. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Let's continue here. Chris, you were telling us about the SEC. They're doing some tough talking. They're saying they're doubling the size of their crypto enforcement bureaucracy. And, of course, that's what bureaucrats love to do. They love to expand bureaucracy they love to uh, double their budgets they do and they more, really do more people means they gotta have a bigger budget more more people more power yeah right? exactly and more destroying of uh, people's lives because that's what ultimately this group does uh they're going after people like library they're going after uh, businesses that are offering services on the crypto in the crypto world which has prior to the last several years been completely unregulated there's been no government bureaucracy standing in anyone's way and then all of a sudden they decided oh there's too much money moving around here and you know we're the government and we can't let anybody send money around or value around without getting a piece and so they came in and they threatened multiple businesses with there are stupid regulations, and now they're going to be able to do more of it. I mean, there is certainly history of this, even predating cryptocurrencies. Um, not, not, not cryptocurrencies, obviously, but with um, I'm trying to think of some of the uh, what was it the uh, I'm trying to think what they called it. I can't think of it at the moment, but the uh, the dollar, the um, a, a, the Liberty Dollar, yeah, Liberty Dollar. That's what it was. Okay, and that's silver, um, uh, silver backed warehouse receipts. Yeah, yeah, and so. actual silver coins they didn't have an issue with the sec uh per se it's government they it's all have, government i think it was i mean the just IRS because they have a different or, department go out, crack down on something yeah. doesn't mean it's not government they did get uh, cracked down yeah. upon and all of their silver was stolen and their gold was stolen by the federal government ultimately charging bernard von nuthaus its founder with so-called counterfeiting mm. for making a completely different currency but because he used like the Statue of Liberty icon, and he used the word liberty or whatever. There were certain things that he put, certain you know iconography that he put on his silver rounds that they said, oh, well, it's too much like the U.S. government's money, so therefore it's counterfeiting. Is the Statue of Liberty on any bill? No. I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say, I didn't think no. so. So where's the similarities to... Uh, he put in God currency. We Trust on there. I mean, there were a few things on there that they said, oh, it's just, this, it's too similar. It's confusing people. And they managed uh, to get a jury to convict him. I mean, that sounds like play money to me if it had a Statue of Liberty on it. Yeah. I mean, it but, also had a phone number on it and a website on it. And the U.S. government <laughs> doesn't have that on their money. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So by nearly doubling the size of the... Key- of this key unit, the SEC will be better equipped to police wrongdoing in the crypto markets while continuing to identify disclosure and controls issues with respect to cybersecurity. SEC Chair Gary Gensler said in a statement, in addition to policing cryptocurrency exchanges and coin <laughs> offerings, the SEC will also be monitoring NFTs, decentralized finance platforms, wow. and stable coins, the release said. Okay, so it doesn't. That's a lot. This doesn't sound like they're targeting users anyway at this point. Um, no, it's too hard for them to target users. It is. It is. They always government goes goes after the centers. 
They go after the the corporations. They go after where the money is. Now there may be some big users, you know, whales or whatever you want to call them out there, but they're harder to get a, get a hold of, especially in a I system mean, where you don't you can't easily identify who the customers they're are. They're definitely going after some small fish. Sure. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, at least politically, you know, politically targeted individuals um there have been a few cases where uh, libertarians have been targeted clearly you know by government i mean again i I don't know i'm not saying a cc specifically but uh government agents targeted Mm -hmm. individuals who you know small time kind of crypto sales and things of that nature so the list of open positions will include opportunities for fraud analysts trial and investigative attorneys and supervisors sec said yeah, I mean, this is so weird, too, because they're saying fraud. Like, like, what do they mean by fraud? Um, well, normally fraud means when somebody is scammed, right? There's right. some sort of dishonesty in an attempt to acquire uh, property or money out of somebody. But as we've seen with the Crypto 6 case, they are alleging in our case that fraud is just saying something a bank doesn't agree with. How do you know so, what a bank is going to agree with or not agree with? Or what the federal government agrees right. with in this particular case. So, uh, Interesting. They're, they're constantly, of course, it's in the government's interest to interpret statutes in a way that benefits them. Right. So the legislature writes the statute and then bureaucrats enforce it. So there's the original intention of mm. the legislature, whatever that was. And then there's the way the bureaucrats interpret what the legislature wrote. Which is going to be as broad as possible because they want power. Exactly, which is why they're charging us with uh, the people in the Crypto 6 case, which you can learn more about at thecrypto6.com. That's why they're charging us with money transmission uh, without a license or whatever, even though we're going to argue that Bitcoin isn't even money in the first place. Well, it's not. (laughs) Of course, they want it to be, right? Well, it's not under their own definitions. That's the funny part about this, right? Like, like, even if you and I were to say it's money, that doesn't mean it's legally money under the law. Correct. And and there's and there in lies the problem, at least one of the many problems, right, with the the whole the charges in that case. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't stop them, even though you're right, and that their own definitions, you know, make it a pretty cut and dry case in that particular, at least with that particular charge. Uh, they don't. It doesn't matter to them because it's no skin off their back to bring a charge that they will ultimately lose or drop, simply because it's another charge that they can bring against somebody to try to intimidate them it could. to take a, a plea deal. It and and I mean, so far, that intimidation has worked with three out of the the six people. And the reason why it's scary, four out of the six. This, really. The reason it's scary is because just because you're right doesn't necessarily mean that a judge or a, a, jury. a jury is going to. Yeah come to the correct conclusion right correct um yeah. and, and 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 this is this is one of these things i think most people don't understand i mean a lot of this stuff is you know it's it's set up such that you lose and you lose either way That's uh, right. if you take it to trial you spend you know who knows how much money if you if you settle well i mean you might get out in a shorter a shorter amount of time relatively speaking but, but then you're a convict right but then you're a conflict the rest of your life is potentially yeah. you know impacted um you know there's there's so many yeah, it's it's so scary. It's, it's uh, it is really scary, and it's an absolute nightmare. You know, whether we're talking about people being charged criminally, or we're talking about the companies that the SEC is going after, like Library, where again they're not necessarily facing criminal charges, but as you said, you lose either way. If the uh, if Library becomes you know successful at the end of this case between them and the SEC. If library, you know, gets found, whatever, not responsible, I don't know what the term is in, in civil court, but not liable or whatever it is, um, then they still spent millions of dollars on attorneys. 
Right. Now, maybe they'll be able to recover that from the SEC. I don't know how all that works. I doubt it. I mean, you know, one thing you can't get back is even if, even if they are able to say, all right, well, you know, you owe us attorney's fees and then the SEC pays $5 million and they, you know, reimburse for whatever it is they've spent on the attorney's fees, you still wasted half a decade of their time. Because this has been going on for years, the threats against library. Yep. They've been dealing five, with this. I believe at least five. And that was like, like a couple that. years yeah, ago. Several years. Yeah. Uh, and so the CEO, Jeremy Kaufman, who's now running for U.S. Senate here as a libertarian in New Hampshire, he hasn't been able to focus on all the things that he would normally focus on. You've only have so many hours in a day. And if you're busy doing depositions, talking to lawyers, mm-hmm. driving to appointments, and you know doing all the stupid crap that you have to do to deal with this this overhanging civil case... You don't ever get that back. And it doesn't matter if they send him another $2 million or whatever. He could have spent all that, that time developing. No, of course it won't. I mean, and, and the thing is, you know, it, if he had just set up outside the United States in a more favorable jurisdiction, he may not have even encountered this. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. That is. And that's why I say if you're doing something with something innovative with cryptocurrency, just go ahead and plan to not start it in the United States because they're yep. not going to get any better. They're not going to lo- lessen their attacks. As you said here, they're doubling the size of their attacking uh, agency within the uh, the SEC. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We've been talking about the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. They are talking tough and hiring more bureaucrats to go after more peaceful people. And there's no doubt that in the financial world, there is fraud. And uh, certainly in the crypto world, there's plenty of it. But as you pointed out, Chris... There was fraud before crypto. Mm. There will be fraud into the future. There were there was fraud as long as there was somebody who wanted to pull the the wool over the eyes of another human being. Yeah, it, you know it's it's funny because the, the the it used to be in the early nineties money orders were the go to thing and mm. check you'd have check fraud right. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the stuff doesn't happen. It, it it still happens, but it's like. It's just like because there's different tools, all of a sudden you're going to go after the tool, whereas you didn't go after the post office, you know, back in the day. Right. Why are you going after, you know, like <laughs> the intermediary just because it's, uh, you know, convenient? I yeah, guess. that's a good point. And, and even today, um, you know, they've been coming after the Crypto 6 alleging we committed fraud and we certainly didn't. But that's what they're alleging. Yet when you want to, anytime you want, you can go down to your local 24-hour CVS or Walgreens or whatever, walk in, Walmart, buy one of these prepaid gift cards Mm. off uh, this huge rack of prepaid gift cards, Visa, MasterCard. You can take up to $500, I think, in a lot of cases. It's, it's funny because it's actually a, one of the a very common means to, still of, oh, yeah. of getting people to pay their, you know, whatever bills that supposedly, you know, they have debts for that they didn't pay and they're going to shut off or the IRS, like there's ones that are people pretending to be the IRS right. calling and it's like. These, and then they ask the the person the to go IR, and buy gift cards. Right, the IRS is not going to ask you to go buy gift cards, but people will do it because Be, they're right. afraid. They, because they they're afraid of the government. Number one, so the fraudsters use the fear of the state. This this 
this sort of inculcated fear that we've all had been given over years of obedience training and going to government schools and watching the news and seeing them going after people for you know not paying taxes or whatever right so there's this constant cloud of fear uh, that people understand at some level at some internal level they know the government will hurt them if they don't do what they say so all all the fraudsters have to do is just simply call up and claim to be from the IRS or the Social Security office or the military or whatever and, and say, oh, well, if you don't do what we say, then we're going to hurt you. We're going to arrest you or we're going to arrest your husband or, or whatever. And people just, they believe it and they go out and they do exactly what they're told, whether it's going and getting an account on a crypto exchange and sending the Bitcoin to the, the fraudster, letting the fraudster take over their computer entirely so the fraudster <laughs> does it themselves, or going down to the local CVS or Walmart and buying a stack of gift cards, you know, emptying their bank account first and then going and, you know, putting, putting cash in at, at Walgreens, where all you have to do is if you and I, I went down and I tried it. I just wanted to see how easy is it. What kind of quote unquote know your customer <laughs> do you have to go through? And you know what it is? None. It's a question on the screen. If you go to a little automated checkout machine, yep. it's a question on the screen, and it says something like, "You're not being scammed, are you?" Yeah. Click yes or no, and yep. then boom, you yep. can complete the sale, walk out the door, and then you send all the data to the scammer, and they take the they take the money. Yeah, there's I mean, it there's all the time. There's no know your customer going on with yeah. that prepaid cards. Nope. Um, and it's it's interesting because they, they frequently and, and and this is one of the reasons why you know it's happening. Um, it's because they even have it's happening so frequently and probably even more so than crypto. Um, but it happens so frequently. Uh, and you know it because every one of these places has signage up. You know, printed off signage like on Be careful. Yeah. About about fraud. Yep. And it's like it, it's this is not something that's it's crypto. You know, it's it's not specific to crypto. It's not crypto is not no. even the funny thing is crypto isn't even making it easier, really. Um, yeah. and not not for little old ladies to buy. You know, it's way easier to for a little old lady to go into a store and buy a gift card than it is and give those numbers to negotiate a crypto exchange than or to something do a crypto like exchange. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now I'm not saying that there aren't some reasons that uh, you know somebody who's trying to scam you or defraud you doesn't want crypto, but it's still as far as actually pulling off the scam in the first place, it's easier to do with a traditional prepaid type of product. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. And it's just so sad because, you know, as you pointed out, these things continue unabated. There's no, There's been no slowdown. Hiring more SEC agents isn't going to do anything. The SEC isn't going to stop little old ladies from being scammed at Walmart nope. by buying uh, these, these cards. That's not going to ever happen. The SEC goes after businesses. They go after centralized organizations that have a lot of money because their goal is to extract money from people. Their goal isn't to help any old ladies in the same way that the uh, FBI coming after the Crypto Six. Their goal isn't to help old ladies either, even though they're going to make the argument that that somehow, you know, the old women were victimized through our actions. It's ridiculous. What these bureaucracies do is they deceive the public. That's that's the primary thing they do. They they do the very thing that they call out others for doing mm-hmm. um that aren't actually doing the things that they're claiming um they want you to think that oh it's crypto it's scary old cryptocurrencies you know that are you know the cause or whatever and these these people are you know the scammers when they're not the scammers it's actually other people 
um, because that's the easy, you know, these are easy targets. Going actually going after scammers is really difficult by comparison. Um, you know, doing things uh, and, and the government these these bureaucracies they're not set up. They're they're set up as like criminal type organizations. They're not set up to educate the public. They're not doing anything that's going to be like, oh hey, if you have a you know a grandmother or you know parents or whatever, and they're getting senile, you know. Arrange, make sure you arrange it before they get to that point mm-hmm. um, so that you have control over their finances because otherwise they're going to empty the bank account. Right. Somebody's going to scan yeah. your, your parents yeah. or your grandparents. It's sad. Uh, and, and it's just like there's the best thing you can do is make people aware and make people, you know, give them information and then maybe these scams won't work on them. Or as you say, Chris, yeah. you know, completely take over their, uh, their bank accounts. But even in that case, there's still people who are younger than you would expect that would get caught in there some are, of these things. There are. So while they certainly, these scam, scammers do target elderly folks, I think probably primarily because they're more easily manipulated, I've seen people getting scammed who were I mean, you know, in their 20s. Yeah, I mean, it's... 30s. It's, <laughs> I don't even know what the expression is, but it's hard to... I think it's something like, it's hard to fix dumb, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, ignorance. Perhaps. It's hard to fix ignorance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not impossible. I don't necessarily think if people yeah. are made aware of the scams, I think, I think a lot of people who are young and just not aware of it, it's, you know, it's some, some of it's just people not being aware of it, not necessarily being, you know, totally dumb, just not aware of it. You know, let's go to the phones. Dave Ridley is on the line here. Ridley, you're on free talk live. Go ahead. Do we have him? Sorry, I had you muted. Here I am. We have you now. Go ahead. Okay, so um, have you guys? Uh, I need my glasses on here. So you guys, uh, you guys talked much about uh, Lech Valenza's speech in New Hampshire. Who? Uh, the the former president of Poland. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, I don't think we talked okay, about him at all. Uh, he's the guy that he's the guy that led the revolution against the Soviet Union, and he was like the tip of the spear back in the eighties. Huh. Uh, not just in Poland, but across Eastern Europe. He's the, he's the one name that is most synonymous with bringing down the Soviet Union. That's wow. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. So he was in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago and gave a speech to the New Hampshire House. And as you might expect, there was all kinds of opportunity for us New Hampshire exiters to see hypocrisy in what the House was supporting, right? And all the all the independence that he was talking up during his speech mm. um, that the House voted against when it was their country, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So he, he said some things that I wrote down exact quotes of what his interpreter said. He doesn't speak much English. Um, and uh, so, so he was talking about how he was talking about how we from outside should turn Russia into a bunch of smaller countries and, and foster independence of these places we've never heard of in Russia. Um, he said, quote, um, quote, Russia can be such a beautiful country, but not bigger than having 50 million inhabitants. So I think we are now standing the chance of giving this final blow and let us get down to work in order to pull the right triggers, unquote. So he, he wants to take, like he says, Russia consists of 60 different nationalities, and we should try to turn each one of them into a separate country, basically, from the outside, right? Mm. This, is, this, is something, this is something for people who live there to decide, right? Sure. Doing this from outside is questionable, and I say that as a secessionist because you, you, don't, you don't impose secession on some other country 
from outside, right? But that's what the, well, yeah. I mean, we've seen how- the uh, how that works when countries like the UK or you know have gone in and forcibly carved up. Uh, lands and it usually creates quite a bit of resistance and, uh, and anger. Uh, but I know you were driving at something here. Stand by, Ridley. We'll continue in moments. Hour number two is coming up. The number is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Yeah, secession has to be something that the people choose, not something that is shoved down their throats. But you can join us and share your thoughts. In fact, there's uh, another story that's got secession in the news again. We'll share that coming up as well. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here. You can join us. The number is 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 for free. It's freetalklive.com. We're going to go back into your calls and thoughts. We just uh, had Dave Ridley on the line with us. He's still there. Uh, bringing back uh, Dave from RidleyReport.com. Dave, you were reporting on a, a gentleman from the so- formerly, I guess, Soviet Union uh, who played a role in taking that thing apart. And he apparently was speaking in New Hampshire as of uh, recently. And uh, through an, an interpreter, you were able to kind of follow what was uh, what was going on, and he was advocating that the current country of Russia should be forcibly dismantled and broken up into fifty or sixty different uh, portions. And you were pointing out that that's not how secession should work. And I wanted to make sure you had a chance for uh, more of your comments. So go ahead. Yeah, it was Lech Walesa, uh the leader of the Solidarity Movement in Poland. Uh, it, well, what's striking to me was, again, how the New Hampshire House, which voted against its own independence uh, earlier this year, uh, voted, or, you know, was, they applauded you know, when he said uh, that, that, that we should make uh, all these places in Russia <laughs> independent at taxpayer expense, right? Wow. It's so hypocritical. You know, it's, it's wrong to be imposing secession on Russia. Uh, but right to be voting in favor of it ourselves because we're supposed to be deciding for ourselves and Russians and, and, and the people who live there are supposed to be deciding for their region. It's just, it's just so upside down. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Matt Santanastaso had sent me a link to a video recently 
and this may be the video you're talking about. It's He says, uh, in honor of our guest speaker, the former president of Poland, the House Speaker mentions his secession to applause. And unfortunately, the video is four hours and 40, 48 minutes long, and that didn't give me a time code. Otherwise, I would love to to pull up the actual segment. Have you actually seen it where the, the uh, House Speaker in New Hampshire also comments on this? I listened to the whole thing, and uh, the speaker did introduce him, but I, I didn't hear anything super interesting in the speaker's introduction. It was just sort of standard. This is Life Valenza, Solidarity, help bring down the Soviet Union. He's awesome. Here you, here you go. But I do have another quote from Valenza. Uh, he said, quote, Russia in today's format is far too large a country, and on top of it, with a bad regime that's terrible. So that second strategy is that, we need to force a new political. Oh, I can't remember. I think I lost. I lost. I must have lost it. Uh, then he says, "Quote, um, quote, quote, Russia is currently comprised of about sixty different peoples, like Ukrainians, hmm. former republics that over the centuries have been absorbed into Russia, Soviet Union on the way, and have been Russified. So I believe this alternative strategy may consist in awakening those people." motivating them to oppose Russia and make them want to break free from Russia, unquote. Okay. So, again, the House applauded this, mm. uh, and, and he's saying it right there. We, we force secession on this foreign country that doesn't really want it that badly. But, again... We're not allowed well, to what do you expect from a central ourselves. planner, right? Like this guy's <laughs> yeah, the former president of Poland. I mean, that's the way these people uh, think. And but but I think the the most important thing you're pointing out here is that the hypocrisy of politicians within the United States. Whenever they look over into some other secessionist movement, then you know if it's Brexit or if it's uh, the Russian states separating or whatever, they frequently will support it. But right here in their own backyard, oh, no, we could never consider leaving the United States our great master. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Ridley. And the, United States, the, the United States sent advisors to Croatia uh, during their independence drive. Uh, and Croatia, again, a little bit like Ukraine, is sort of an, unre- an unreconstructed, partially fascist society. Um, uh, the United States actually assisted them in winning the war against Serbia. Uh, and they ejected, you know, you know, six hundred thousand Serbs fled the area uh, after the, the Croatian army started killing them when they won the war, uh, randomly killing them. Uh, and the United States government made you pay for that, right? For, mm. for for Croatian independence. And again, Croatia did deserve independence, but it didn't deserve. No, no taxpayer should have been forced to right. pay for it. And it's important to recognize that you know there were a lot of flaws with that nation. Uh, and it's just, it's just so frustrating, uh, and yet it's to be expected that we'd be forced to, to underwrite secession elsewhere, but we're not allowed to have it ourselves. Thank you, Dave Ridley. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. That's Dave from Ridley Report. Yeah, talk about double standards. Yeah, and of course now they're passing uh, the forty billion dollar for giveaway, a financial aid package, whatever you want to call it, to Ukraine that made it through the Senate. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. It was already passed by the House, now been passed by the Senate, and it's certainly going to be signed by Biden. So I heard a rumor they're already talking about another $48 billion after this $40 billion. Is this Is this on top of all the money they've uh, sent for arms? 
Uh huh. Yeah. So I understand. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones. To the fun. Sydney is on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Chris. Oh, hey guys. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to talk about exactly that. The government is always stealing from people. In this case, with Ukraine, just giving it to the Ukrainian people. You know, and no, they're giving it to the I Ukrainian heard... government. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The Ukrainian government. I've heard that this amount of money that we've sent them already, that the United States has sent them, is more than their like normal annual budget for the government entirely. Yes, quite so a bit a more. Free giveaway. Yeah, quite a bit. This yeah, is a total giveaway. But I also want to talk about the government stealing. Um, so I was on freekeen.com recently. Oh, cool. And Thanks. Yeah, there's a cool article about actually uh, the Crypto Six becoming the Crypto Two now. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's really sad that. You know, uh, the whole plea deal thing that, you know, you have to plea to a felony, and some people pled to that. Because, like you were saying earlier in the show, that totally ruins your life going forward in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also saw, so there's like an updated indictment or a superseding indictment, and yes. at the very end of it, it lists like all this property that I guess they're trying to steal from Ian. And I don't know if anybody else's property got taken by the government, but. And I've seen it, Adam Kokesh, back when he was arrested for the shotgun thing, they went into his house, they busted open his safe right there in his house, took everything that was inside. He never saw any of that stuff ever again. No. Yeah, it's, criminal. it's a criminal gang. Uh, in this case, they're not stealing it from me. Technically, they're stealing it from the, the Shire Free Church because I don't really own anything. But it was in the house in which I live, and they stole stuff from all of our roommates. They stole stuff from people they didn't even charge uh, criminally. And uh, maybe it looks like Bonnie might be getting her phone back soon, you know, a year or something wow. later. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. hey, that's better timing than the last raid. <laughs> I that, guess. That, Five years versus one year? Oh, yeah, the last yeah. trade. Well, uh, the last trade, yeah. they haven't given anything back that was taken except for TJ's stuff. Yep. TJ, okay, yeah. so TJ's stuff back. I definitely recommend people check out that article, take a look at how this thing is playing out. The government does it over and over with the activist types. And it's the same playbook, same playbook that they use. And something that sticks out to me in that indictment is there are no victims at all. There's nobody alleging there. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see who are the witnesses that they bring forward, other mm. than some piece of paper. Yeah. You it, know, it, it, if you look, if you look at that indictment, the superseding indictment, mostly it's just it's the same thing, just repeated by taking each individual bank that uh, there was an interaction with and listing it as well, another. Uh, I'm not sure the right word it is in. It, uh, charge or well, they did file a separate piece of paper, and I, I mentioned it in that article yep. uh, that actually does list what they call victims. Uh, yeah, and they right. listed like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Wells Fargo. There's a, a, a few a large credit unions, so they're claiming that essentially the bankers were the victims here, even though the bankers themselves admit they didn't lose anything. Yeah, and nor was anything attempted yeah, it, to be taken. That from was them that was that just to them. And, and the crazy thing yeah. is, even the prosecution even admitted that during one of the hearings, uh, I believe it was uh, nobody's hearing, um, that there was no loss. It's like, well, if there's no loss, then how is there? How's how is there, there a, a victim? How is there a crime? Yeah. Hey, Sydney, thanks yeah. for the call yeah. tonight, man. I, I, I just want to say, I think that whole thing focus, hold your ground. I think it's going to fall apart on them. I so. sure hope you're right. That's what I'm expecting to happen. I appreciate it hearing from you, man. Thanks for the call, Sydney. We will continue on as the uh, the crypto duo. Of me and Aria at this point. Uh, Sentencing for the others, by the way, is in July. More coming up. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us in the studio here. The number is 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Chris. 
Times, 603-283-6160. Talking about secession here, uh, Dave Ridley called in to bring up a story about a former Polish president, I guess, who was speaking in New Hampshire, calling for a forced secession against the country of Russia. And as much as I like secession, I I tend to support any secession movement, but this one I, I couldn't say I would support a forced uh, secession because the people need to want the thing. People need to want I mean, to see that happen. Is is forced secession even secession? I mean, that's no. I mean, that's like war it's, against Russia yeah, break and then up. breaking yeah. it up, right? Yeah, I don't know Bre- if you can call divvy it divvy up the spoils kind of uh, yeah. situation. Uh, so you can bring up whatever you want here. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty, and uh, don't forget you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive dot com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Freedoms Phoenix. It is your source for all news, economic news, government overreach, insane government spending, and more. You can get the t- today's headlines all in one place and from a fresh libertarian perspective. Over at freedomsphoenix.com. That's freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. Let's go to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom. I was just Uh-oh. checking out something. Am I here? Am yeah, I, here? I don't know what's going on. There's like crazy uh, talk back where I'm hearing every single word instantly back. Now I think it's gone. Go ahead, Tom. Anyway, it's about uh, the ev- in the evolution of the human race as we know it today. Uh, there have been various... Uh, Species and subspecies, such as Neanderthals, which is a subspecies, Homo sapiens neanderthalensis, and species before that, Handyman, Homo habilis. Well, there was this guy living on the island of Flores, Indonesia, for years and years, and some people kept telling him these stories about these uh, ape-man-type creatures, and he was writing it all down, taking it all in, and who knows, I mean, kind of like the Loch Ness Monster, or the Yetis, and there's no way to say for real. But uh, then they found skeletal remains of one, and it's uh, they examined it. They couldn't get any DNA. Skeletal remains that were not fossilized, they said, well, this is from 50,000 years ago. These things are extinct now. Uh, and they classified it not as uh, uh, Homo sapiens, but Homo floresiensis because of the island of Flores, which is where they're from. A, a separate species that is said to be extinct. Kind of like they said that coelacanths were extinct until they found out that they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are a fish that was deemed to be extinct for years and years, died out with the dinosaurs, except they're still around. And these uh, legends that you know people say they saw one of those uh, the other day, or they saw one years and years ago on the island, and the other story is, oh no, the invaders that came in 200 years ago massacred them. But first, Are we talking about Bigfoot here, Tom? I'm not really sure what you're getting at. I'm talking about a species of humans that is said to be not extinct, but then people are saying that they still see them around every once in a while, and one story is that the invaders who came by 200 years ago massacred all of them. But how would the invaders know if they got them all? First of all, if you're the invaders, you don't know where all the caves are. You wouldn't know every little hiding place. Okay, but are we talking about Bigfoot here? Because isn't that what you know most people are alleging Bigfoot is, is some sort of uh, humanoid hominid or whatever that... Uh, I, I, I want to say this is he's referencing some sort of, sort of mini-human as opposed to Bigfoot, but am I mistaken about that? Mini-human that has been documented 
through skeletal remains, uh, but is said to be extinct. They're saying that these guys are extinct, but what if the, the uh, species that is known to exist, ha had to have existed, like Neanderthals are known to have existed, what if they're not extinct? And they're having a good time as a different human species, but they're having a good time living in the forest and just want to be left alone. And they're, like Bigfoot. Uh, yeah, they, they, if they just want to be left alone and they're happy, then the question is, well, you could do all kinds of cool electronic surveillance and spot them and watch them from a distance. And the only ethical thing you could do that would involve interfering with them is if they leave one of them for dead. They leave one of their own for dead, maybe to die, because maybe they don't want this newborn baby, or maybe uh, this guy got hurt in a hunting uh, episode, and he, he's going to die, so they just leave him there. And then okay. the human, human the, the homo sapiens, could go in there and rescue that one, bring that one to a hospital, and say, look, everybody, these people are real, and we're going to doctor this guy up and bring him back there uh, after we doctor him back up again. Okay, but that hasn't happened yet, right? That, that that hasn't happened yet, but it would be, what could you do if they just want to be left alone? And the libertarian questions would abound because uh, then they're not as intelligent. They don't have the brain size. How the hell do you know that? They, if they're still around and they haven't been able to be caught in however many you know decades or hundreds of years or whatever, then that suggests that they're at the very least intelligent enough to not get caught by mankind and all his fancy uh, techno gizmos. I mean, this sounds like an uncontacted tribe sort of situation where if they if we did come into contact with them, we'd probably they'd probably die of disease anyway. Thanks for the uh, call, Tom. Let's talk to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, go ahead. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, so these, uh, yeah, they're blocking the streets in the in pretty much middle of Albuquerque at midnight, and they're doing donuts, and the uh, cops tried to break them up. So what they were doing, they were sitting on the hood of the cop's car. So they wouldn't, uh, like, uh, they, so they'd be, uh, like, uh, interfering with the police. Uh -huh. So, you know, what I'm saying is, uh, do you think this goes on in the East Coast, like New Hampshire and other states? I mean, this I state is like... You're saying they sit like, on the hood of a cop's car while they do donuts? No, to watch that. When they try to break them up, when the cops when it wants to, mm -hmm. you know, the, the police wants to break up is when the, all the people that are parked block the intersection, um, they would sit on the cop's car, the hood... Just to interfere with them. That's so they pretty can't awesome. Move their cars. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's pretty ballsy. Uh, I mean, know, that's that's epic. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to. What do you have against donuts? I mean, it sounds like fun. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, it's fun for like teenagers. But I mean, you know that I mean, Indian school and university. That's pretty much in the middle of the city. It's not like uh, five miles outside the state city mm. limit. It's pretty but much you're saying it's done at nighttime, right? So there's not a lot of cars around. But well, well, 12 midnight. Yeah, but, there's nobody uh, around. Typically, it's, it's fun for the kids, but uh, it's amazing that, you know, New Mexico law, anything goes. This is what oh, I'm telling yeah, you. Sure. It's just a, I bet you can't I, go and, and sell drugs in New Mexico. Why, why are you still in uh, New Mexico anyway? She's sure. supposed to go to communist China or something like that, but she refuses. Hmm. She just doesn't want to go no, anywhere. She's I just lazy. Know. I don't think they'd accept no. you, Sarah. Well, 
the, this is a pretty communist state. She could. I bet she, she could go to communist China and swear an oath of allegiance to the communist party. And they would be fine. I mean, there's Americans in China who haven't even sworn an oath uh, to the uh, the Communist Party. Yeah, but those are productive people. They're trying to kick him out now, so <laughs> she's unproductive. I don't know. Thanks for the call, uh, Sarah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, she's not a worker. So yeah, it's a workers' are, paradise, right. Sarah, not why for <laughs> not workers. Good point. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. You can share your thoughts. The number is 603-283-6160. She doesn't want to work. She doesn't like fun. Doesn't like donuts. Yeah. 603-283-6160. You can join us here. You can share your thoughts on whatever's on your mind. It is Free Talk Live. Insight Daily Radio. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture since the 1970s with more than 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the creative journey that continues to bring Lake Wobegon to life. I'm not proud of my generation. We came along after the Depression era, and my generation then felt liberated, free in a prosperous time to go out and, and, and make a new world. And in the meantime, in our sort of libertarian uh, exuberance, we ignored uh, a great many problems that we're now passing on to our children. I don't look back with great pride. I look forward with curiosity, and I intend, I fully intend, (laughs) to live long enough to see some of it, huh? Why leave now? It's too interesting. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, has just been released and is now available wherever books are sold. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's Ian and Chris. Phones are open. Of course, you can always visit our website anytime you want. We've got RSS feeds. You can use those feeds to plug into your favorite podcast client. And that results in you basically subscribing to receive every episode of Free Talk Live as they come out in MP3 format. You can uh, easily do that over at feeds.freetalklive.com. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. We're going back to your phone calls and thoughts. Regina's in New Hampshire to start things out here. Regina, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. What's on your mind? Listen, I want to actually answer the girl that called in earlier from New Mexico. She talked about something about how, you know, kids were sitting on the police cruisers, giving the cops sort of a hard time Yeah. when they were coming to patrol. Well, during COVID, right? I live right by, I live in Hampton, which we have Hampton Beach, which is a pretty big tourist destination in the summertime. Right. So during the summertime uh, in 2020, they decided that because of social distancing and, you know, all the COVID porn narrative, I call it, mm-hmm. they were going to close 1A to traffic so that people would have like more room to walk and the restaurants could spread out, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was a selectman at the time and I was one out of two out of the five of us that thought it was going to be a bad idea because with everything going on in the nation, 
you know, that beach is already hot enough to patrol. We don't have as many cops. So politics, you know, the governor wanted to shut the road down for political reasons. So they shut the road down. And during the day, we would have like these guys. I'm not sure where they came from. I think they came from all over. They would come and they would do like fun activities during the day. Like they throw saws up in the air and jump over people that were laying down on the road. Hmm. And this was all perfectly safe, according to the politics of COVID. And there was, you know, quite a few people down the down that lived down there that were upset. And it was like these kids at night, they would go from doing fun things to riots and fights and things like that. Really? And it was like not the yeah, it and it's like it was never talked about. It was totally hidden. And I was a selectman and, at the time, and I couldn't even get the message out. And it's like people always think that of like, oh, bad stuff on the East Coast. They think of like New York and Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, ever since COVID, New Hampshire has become sort of scary. Like I've lived here my whole life. And that summer I was like scared to go down Hampton Beach. And of course, everyone wants to cover it up because it's a tourist destination and they don't want the word to get out. But that girl, I mean, I was going to actually call in and talk about elections tonight. But after that girl called in, I wanted to get that message out that crazy stuff does happen here in little old town, New Hampshire. So, so I'm, I'm curious. And when, when I think of like Newark and big cities, I think of people getting shot. How many people were <laughs> shot on your road oh, that no, they closed? Yeah, no, no one, no one was, no one, no, not that I'm aware of, no one was shot, luckily. No so one what, I mean, so what was but, so scary? I guess I'm not real clear. You said people were doing dangerous things at nighttime they on had, Hampton like, Beach. They had to have, they had to call like state troopers in from all over the state because they were, they were rioting. They were fighting with each other. I mean, there was thousands of them. Like if you looked on video, thousands. So, so they were hurting themselves? Yes, they were hurting themselves. And, and why would that scare you? Str- well, because I've never seen anything like that before in my life in this town. Were they Small attacking uh, random passersby, or was it like a big like fight between two groups of people? I'm not really even clear on what was... No, it wasn't two groups of people. It was thousands. thousands. How did, and you're saying this like, was covered up? You're saying that this news didn't get out? That the, no one in the media reported on this there was there were no arrests no, I mean, no news, live streamers no. there was a few there was a few arrests but there should have been hundreds like fireworks going off all people's property out on their front porches out on their back porches in the residential neighborhoods of the beach Fire, sounds, sounds like downtown keen <laughs> fireworks don't sound yeah. particularly threatening to me that sounds like well fun, when but... you're setting them off on people's porches in the middle of the night i mean that's that's pretty bad. Well, was it the homeowners that were setting them off, or are you saying just no, random it was strangers? The people, these these key kids that were coming in from, I mm. believe Massachusetts, but I'm not sure. Wow. And they were there was not enough police to patrol it. Well, I gotta say, I, I don't have the same experience as you. We don't live out on the seacoast. We live in uh, the Keene area. That's true. And uh, I wouldn't say there's anything scary or unusual going on besides the police oh themselves. Oh my gosh, it who... was awful. I have to send you guys videos. I mean, it was. I've lived here my whole life. Yeah, I feel I, for, I, feel free. I would love to see uh, foot, footage of this. If you want, you can send a, a link to my email. It's ian at freetalklive.com. I'm happy to. Uh, and the to best part it. about it was it was supposed to be all social distancing, but there was no social distancing. Hmm. Well, it, good. Because like social distancing is a bunch of crap anyway. 
Right, but I'm telling you with the politics of what, and, you know, ever since then, there's a lot of people that used to go down there every summer. They won't go down there anymore. Thank you, Regina, for the call year. tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and feel free to send that uh, that link over. It's like, yeah, I mean, to me, New Hampshire is the same as it's, it's always been. I mean, there's very little crime here. There's very little to be concerned with besides the government agencies themselves. They're the ones that are hurting people. They're the ones that are putting people who are innocent and peaceful behind bars in cages, like our next caller, Therese, uh, Therese Grinnell. She's one of the activists here in New Hampshire who was arrested uh, at the uh, the meeting of the governor and the executive council, and I think it was October or November of of last year, public meeting for basically just sitting quietly in the audience. Uh, they came and uh, asked you to come to the back of the the building, and they put you in handcuffs, Therese, and then they uh, handcuffed seven or eight other people immediately thereafter. Uh, I don't know if that was the reason you were calling tonight, but that's that's who you are, and yeah. welcome to Free Talk Live. What's on arrested your mind? for being upset? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, it's. It's all pretty insane. I, you know, told told my uncle, you know, I was arrested and um, he's like, for what? And I said, disorderly conduct. And it actually (laughs) says I said the word amen. And on all the video, 170 people in there with their cell phones out. um, No one can even see where I mumbled the word amen. And the trooper's report was, well, I recognized her voice from Facebook and it came from that direction. (laughs) So that's enough. For you to arrest me? Like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, my name is Therese. Um, I moved to New Hampshire from Southern California, actually, oh, in wow. 1998. And I um, grew up with my dad listening to, like, Rush Limbaugh. And so I kind of got the whole idea of, you know, um, work hard, you know, take care of the person next door versus sending it to Washington and to never see it back again. Uh, my parents had foster kids that they adopted, so I always had a heart for that. And my mom was a nurse, so I grew up and became a nurse eventually, and a foster mom. And I adopted my two boys. And um, it, yeah, it was last summer where I was like, "What the hell?" My friends, my colleagues are getting their religious exemptions denied, and you know they're the one that carries the health insurance. And their spouse is going through chemotherapy, and they're losing their career and they've already COVID recovered, like what the hell is going on? The masks aren't being used the way we were taught in school and just the government overreach was just everywhere. And um, school board, you know, mom, I was one of those uh, pitching a fit. And finally I actually went into the New Hampshire GOP office on Water Street and I'm like, what the hell is going on? How do we have a Republican governor, Senate and House of Representatives and yet like people are losing their jobs and our kids are not being educated and um, we got nowhere in that conversation with them. And then I heard Dave LaRue who was out in Lebanon uh, standing up. His wife was pregnant, LNA last semester of her nursing career or nursing school at Plymouth and was getting her religious exemptions denied. And he was like, when are we going to all freaking stand up? Like what is wrong with everybody? Why are mm-hmm. we letting this happen? And I was like, okay, I can't stand in Lebanon, but I could stand in Concord. I was, um, had transitioned to overnight hospice nurse. And I'm like, I could go stand. I'm like, well, the corner outside of Concord Hospital has Dartmouth-Hitchcock. It has all the rehab hospitals. And I'll go stand down there. Um, I think it was like a walkout Wednesday for, you know, against medical or for medical. Against the and hold, so hold that thought, I Therese. That I, want to, I want to hear more of your sure. story here in moments. Yeah. Therese Grinnell is, uh, is on the line here. She is... Telling her story of, I guess, how she became activated, right? She was uh, quiet, and then all these terrible things happened during COVID, and she started to speak up, took a stand, uh, went out onto the streets, 
and uh, a movement was created. We'll uh, talk more about it coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. You can join us here at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian and Chris. Don't forget, you can join us online anytime at freetalklive.com. And also, ForkFest is coming up, and it's coming fast. We're about five weeks out at this point from ForkFest 2022. It's the sixth annual decentralized libertarian camping festival. It happens the week after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is sold out, by the way. Tickets are, ticket sales are over for Porkfest. It's the second year in a row uh, that they've sold that event out. Forkfest, much more uh, decentralized. There's no tickets. You just get yourself the RV site, camping site, or motel room of your choice with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. And then you spend a week or however many days of that week that you want to hanging out with other freedom-minded people in uh, just one of the most beautiful locations on the planet, Rogers Campground in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. You can go to forkfest.party to learn more about the event. That's forkfest.party. And you can connect there with uh, chat rooms and a forum to allow you to... Uh, link up with other people that will be attending and find out what's happening because, again, it's completely decentralized. So whatever happens depends on the people who attend and what they want to bring to the table. You know, if you want to, All I know is bring your crypto and bring your gold backs. Good suggestions. <laughs> if you want to cook, then you should cook. If you want to put on some sort of a performance, music, or you know, put a poker game on or something like that, have a campfire for people, whatever you want to do, it is uh, it's up to you to decide. Forkfest.party. Again, it's June 27th. Through July 3rd, we got Therese Grinnell on the line with us. She's one of the the newer activists here in New Hampshire working for more freedom. Uh, You were a nurse and frustrated with all of the mandates that the government uh, gangsters in New Hampshire were cramming down people's throats during the COVID crackdown. And that's what activated you, Therese. That's kind of where you were at in your story. You had started to go out to the street corner outside of the Dartmouth uh, Hospital there in Concord and... And uh, you gathered some, some some supporters, right? I did, and um, it was the you know the October thirteenth Executive Council meeting uh, where I was actually sitting next to Frank Footloose, and you know just there because we didn't want this federal money coming in that had a line item with the grant money that they would be obligated to isolate and quarantine anyone that the federal government found to be a health hazard and. To me, that screamed um, what I was seeing over in Australia, and I was just like, what the hell is going on? And um, so, but leading up to that, I had been pretty vocal with Governor Sununu, and he actually has a voicemail on my phone, and he was on my personal Facebook page, and I had Derek Prue, who's a National Guard, and all the night nurses at Dartmouth-Hitchcock jumping on, giving him a run for his money, or like, you can do something, like, you know, what the hell? And um, so going into there, he knew I was raising a ruckus and really starting to mobilize people. And I think his attempt to chill me from participating in the political process was what was the reason why I was arrested at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Didn't um, they arrest really, like eight different like leaders of like eight separate groups at that event at the meeting? The uh, hearing? There was, or the, yeah. The, so there was, yeah. Town hearing. Yeah. Or, yeah, so there was nine of us that were arrested that day. I was the first one to have my shoulder tapped, look up, and there was like four state troopers hovering over me. And 
Frank was sitting next to me, which, um, you know, he has been pretty vocal and outside of Sununa's house and everything else, but they brought the two of us back to the back of the room and um, right away they put me into zip ties. They took, you know, a pen off my sweater and all I know is they're, you're being arrested for disorderly conduct. And I'm like, what did I do? They couldn't answer the question um, and they were loading me up into the back of this. LRN.FM there, you can't oh. say that on the radio. I had to, oh, to hit the dump button. We're uh, we're going to let you stay yeah. on because I'm pretty sure it was an accident. But uh, just be, yeah. be careful. Sorry. Remember, we are on Sorry. broadcast radio. So when in doubt, leave oh, it out. Sorry. Okay, you got it. So, so just rewind for just a moment. They uh, they came up. They put you in handcuffs. Yeah. And go ahead. And, you know, it was just kind of like this, oh, gosh, moment of my purse, my phone, my six and my seven-year-old are out there and I have to work tonight. <laughs> Where am I going? Like, what is happening? And so I yelled out, we're being arrested because I needed someone. I was like, are my boys going to DCYF care? Like what is happening? Um, Question and, for you uh, before I, you go on, yeah. did they charge you with a second uh, disorderly conduct for the statement behind when you were being arrested? Cause I know they hit Frank uh, with another yeah. disorderly conduct charge after, or, you know, basically as the handcuffs or after the handcuffs were being put on. Correct. Yes. So, so you are facing my, two wow. charges. Yeah. So allegedly I said the word amen mm-hmm. and that disrupted the meeting. And then they changed <laughs> that charge to, I recklessly said the word amen, <laughs> which is even more ridiculous. What is the difference and between doing I, it and not like recklessly doing it? <laughs> and then, um, the other was that I yelled out, we're being arrested, hmm. which I was already in the zip ties and being put in. So our legal team's like, that's ridiculous. Wow. Because that is. We're already, um, but I believe what they thought would happen was the whole crowd would go wild mm. and they were prepared to arrest as many people as they possibly could get away with. But They were prepared um, for that. Oh, definitely. It was a crazy. Yeah. I wasn't there in person that day, but uh, I did see the, the video and uh, it was just inc- insane. They had the whole back of the room cordoned off and they were prepared to take people who were arrested from the audience and put them all back there they were ready for dozens they had a ton of uh cops uh state police that were on hand and just salivating at the chance to arrest dozens of people they ended up arresting nine and what was interesting about it was and i think frank's pointed this out that except with the exception of you knowing Frank and Frank knowing you, the other seven didn't really know one another. They were just people that were there at this meeting that were incensed at what was happening to you and Frank, and and they you know sort of stood up and yeah. and said something. I mean, about they, it. they arrested the the leadership of the opposition effectively, and it wasn't even it's not even like one group. That was the crazy thing. It was several different. Groups. I don't know if they were leaders. Or were, they, were they Therese, or were they just so, kind of random people well, that were there? So I think I can justify seven out of the nine. So the next one, I believe the sequence was Monica, who had the 1776 shirt, and she was sitting perfectly quiet. But I think the reason, and this is just a guess, um, was before the meeting ever started, before the Pledge of Allegiance, anything of that nature, um, Kelly Potenza had said, look, everyone, there's our Attorney General, Dick Tracy. And everyone <laughs> laughed at the name of Dick Tracy, right? And Monica said, oh, no, you don't understand. He's not our friend. And he's I think definitely they, not. <laughs> and, and, and that is his real her, name, by the way. <laughs> right. He threw her a look that could have killed. And so I think that's where she got picked on next, mm, honestly. That makes sense. I think we targeted her because of that. And then 
AJ and Marilyn Todd were like, why are you arresting them? And Marilyn had like her four-year-old son in her arms. But Marilyn has been the forensic auditor for Wyndham and the whole election mm. integrity issues. Okay. So they were the next two to be arrested. And then as they were being arrested, John was on the back wall, who's from Keene, and he said, you're arresting the wrong people. You should be arresting the emperor. And he just said it like <laughs> at the same level that I just said it. And one of the troopers arrested him. And he had stood with me on the corner outside of Concord Hospital. He was like 68 years old. Yep. And then my, um, the next one that was the most dramatic was Kathleen. And Kathleen was sitting directly behind Kelly Potenza, who's been an activist for a very long time, and was also wearing a baseball cap. Um, so I think they meant to get Kelly, and they grabbed Kathleen, who was the 70-year-old. Right. Who Grandma. was literally doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and she's very, you know, cognitively, like, just very sweet and simple. And, and you know, we had someone who was recently retired law enforcement right behind her said that they used excessive force before she ever resisted. And she ended up having her head bashed in in the back. Oh, my God. Um, her head like went straight forward onto the concrete. This video of that, and she ended up with a concussion and torn muscles in her shoulder. Wow! And then Emily um, was on the back wall, and they told her to go have a seat. And she was basically said, "Why do I have to go sit down? You know, I want to stand and stretch my legs." Right. And it was as simple as that. They wow. they arrested her. And she wasn't like disruptive at all in that. And then James was the last one. And James, God bless him, he um, business owner. His wife is a clinician, and they were like, "Well, every other state's accepted this money," and he was, he just couldn't handle it at that point. He was like, "Just because everyone else has done it doesn't mean it's the right yep. thing to do." Yep. And, and they got him they, for that too, huh? <laughs> they arrested him. <laughs> you and know, again, I'm glad that like you called in tonight because years old. because we never yeah. really got the full. Uh, expression of what happened to all nine. So I'm glad that you were aware of the ins and outs of that because we knew what happened to you and Frank. We talked to Frank about it at the time when it when it happened. I'm, I really appreciate you telling everybody's story. The charges are still pending. Uh, the trial is still coming up. Uh, and I know you wanted to talk about what's what you've got planned, right? Like not just the New Hampshire nine, but do you have time to stick yeah. with us into the next into the next I hour? Do. All right, more with uh, to, yeah. more with Therese coming up here. Therese Cornell, one of the uh, the activists here in New Hampshire. She's got something else cooking up she wants to tell us about on the way here. That's coming up in Hour 3. You can join us as well. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio here tonight, we've got Ian and Chris. We're going to go back into your phone calls and thoughts. Coming up, uh, a little bit of good news from the courts. In fact, we might even get into it with this call. Uh, Therese Grinnell is on the line with us. She's one of the activists. One of the, as they call them, the New Hampshire Nine. Nine people arrested at an what they call the Executive Council meeting here in New Hampshire. A lot of people outside of New Hampshire wouldn't know what that is. Um, instead of a lieutenant governor, which we do not have in New Hampshire, there is a, 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 a what I would argue a slightly better system where the governor actually has sort of a check and balance even within the executive branch 
It's called the Executive Council. It's a five-member council that has to approve certain government spending above uh, a particular amount. And I'd have to look up the exact amount, but it's it's either like fifteen hundred or fifteen thousand. I I forget which one it is, but it's it's not. Like if they gotta spend a lot of money, it's gotta go through the executive council before the governor can sign off on it. So it is a little bit of an extra check and balance, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the executive council had to look at the I think it was twenty seven million dollars that was coming in from the federal government, or you know, in theory, would have come in from the federal government to essentially bribe the New Hampshire government to do all manner of COVID crackdown related things. And that is why you and hundreds of other activists were there at that meeting back in the fall of 2021, Therese, to oppose that, to let this executive council know that a lot of people are against this. At that meeting, they ultimately did vote it down only to have another meeting later where they voted in something like 20-something million of it. So it sadly, it ended up uh, passing later on. But nine people were arrested at that meeting, and you were one of them. You were just kind of regaling us with uh, with that story. You're still facing those charges, facing two disorderly conduct so-called charges. One for saying amen uh, earlier after, I believe it was the uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. And then secondly, for announcing the fact uh, verbally that you were being arrested uh, behind the scenes there at the at the conference and that's kind of where you left the story off after after kind of running us down with the other eight people that uh, and the reasons they were arrested also similar nonsensical uh totally peaceful reasons but uh, go ahead what else did you want to share yeah so that kind of catapulted me into um the front lines um a bit and i in turn um became full time trying to figure out what the hell's going on here in new hampshire politically and I uh, didn't know what a free stater was and realized, wow, I think I was one of those, um, untechnically, but kind of, you know, and, you know, wanted to be here because there's no income tax or sales tax. And mm-hmm. I just want to go about my business and live my life and not hurt anybody else. And, um, you know, and then realized um, the New Hampshire GOP is just, you know, that they don't actually vet the candidates. And here I was, one of the people who would just go in and vote down party lines and, um, started showing up at the state house and seeing the players and getting involved with people who have been involved for a very long time and understanding the scorecards and New Hampshire Liberty Alliance and um, somebody showed me libertyblock.com and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known about that like a long time ago. At the same time, I'm like, who's going to run against this governor? He's like, you know, Footloose would say he's a bootlicking tyrant. Like, how do we stop this, you know, federal overreach? Um and save our at least our constitutional rights, right? And everyone's like, well, nobody has the money, or you know, someone would um, say, well, I need eight hundred fifty thousand just to get to the primary, or I need one hundred fifty thousand by Wednesday to get in front of Corey Lewandowski and try and get an endorsement. And I'm like, this is insane. This is. It was just so gross to me, and I was. Oh yeah, the, my po- the political and- process is disgusting. There's no doubt about it. I mean, just to uh, to come back to 2020. The year, of course, when all the COVID crackdowns were happening, there was an election. For our listeners that don't know, New Hampshire has a full state election. All the state reps, all the state senators, the governor, every two years. So there's always the opportunity to change out uh, the deck chairs on the Titanic, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, but our friend Nobody, who's a co-host here on Free Talk Live, he normally he would be with us here on uh, Friday night, but he, he took the night off to work on some programming projects. He ran against... Uh, Sununu in the governor's race, as did a woman named Karen Testerman. 
and the media, mainstream media, completely ignored the other two candidates in that race. There was no opportunity for a debate. There was no interviews of these other candidates, barely any coverage whatsoever. I mean, beyond a, a slight mention or two here and there, uh, they were basically, they didn't exist. The polls didn't didn't talk about them. The mainstream media completely cut them out. So anybody that runs against him this time, I suspect will get the same treatment. Not if I have anything to do about it. No. So, so, um, so does that mean you're <laughs> planning on running? No, I'm not planning on running. Um, I don't think I, well, I never say never, but I, I guess you can't complain about it unless you're willing to do something about it. But this mm. is, I think, um, you know, me pondering that, I basically was out in the barn. I'm like, wait a minute, we have the most liberty-minded populace of anywhere in the country. We have all our libertarians, we have our independents, and we have, you know, our constitutional real Republicans that really don't like the idea of a bigger government. Mm-hmm. Why in the world can't we assemble and pull ourselves together and push back on this global agenda? So, you know, in my opinion right now, it's either you're for the Constitution or you're for tyranny. You know, Frank and I say that all the time. And, you know, they're spending, like our CD1 candidate is spending like a million dollars to what, get name recognition so that you recognize the name and they basically buy your vote, right? Mm-hmm. What if we all assembled together and said we're going to find 30 people that are truly for the Constitution and have demonstrated they absolutely have no tolerance to go along to get along so have already stood up and put their jobs on the line testified like dr strang he's stood up and testified even at the risk of losing his license to practice like paul terry i've heard him just like preach it you know and speak truth as to you know the um It's tricky, though, to find people who, you know, normally like productive people don't want to go into politics, right? Because (laughs) they're successful businessmen or whatever, you know. Right. Who wants to do this? No one. Except for control freaks. Control freaks want to do it. Right. You also have the problem. Um, of the media i mean the media picks their picks the candidates i I mean you may be on the ballot but the media really is the one who's who's deciding on you know what's going on so i have a serious checkmate and it's really pretty simple and i've rolled it out to a lot of people and they're like oh my gosh like we should like we can do this so we have a problem we need a solution so we've called it the resolve and the resolve is basically orchestrating a massive um block vote so it's really gathering everyone together and saying, okay, we need a lockdown, safe, secure database where we can capture a zip code, a unique identifier, and know that we're going to have enough people in any one district to pull this off. Um, and then people that we know that we can trust. So, you know, I trust Frank like a brother at this point from, you know, I didn't know him at all before I was arrested, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he is the tip of the sword. He will, he knows what it's like to have your freedoms taken from sure. you. You know, and there's other individuals who I've met so many amazing people in the last six months. Um, I'm looking at Alou's book, his latest book. I just bought it. Um, And, you know, there's people there that I just know are here for our freedom. And there's 30 people in the state of New Hampshire. Carla, I love her. We've got um, Michael, 
um, who's running for yeah, Senate. Yeah, we we just to clarify, we don't need to know all the names, right? Like we, uh, right. We've got, no, we've got an no, audience no. Uh, across the planet that probably doesn't know half of these, uh, these people. So what's the goal? So, you know, at the end of the day, we need 30 people. We need a governor. We need five executive council members. And we need 24 senators. Mm-hmm. And the thought was, you know, in my mind, if I could get 100 people to truly buy into this, I thought of this idea on Easter weekend, truly buy into this, and each person diligently went and found 10 people, and those 10 people found 10 people, we would have over 300,000 people come August before the primaries. And we could work together to have debates and town halls and get everyone in the loop as to what the lineup is going to be. I would love for this to uh, to work out. It's very hard to uh, to herd cats, as they say, in in the movement of when you got a bunch of very individualistic people to get them on the same page. It's a real challenge, but if anyone can do it, it might be you, Therese. So keep us in the loop. I'm gonna put you on hold. We'll talk off the air here for a moment, but I definitely want to hear updates on this uh, as it develops. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. is Free Talk Live. You're invited if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I want to say thanks to Damian Williams, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS Patreon. You can join as Damian has done. He's a silver level, which means he's doing uh, about five bucks a month. And that helps us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live to help get the ideas of liberty into more people's ears all around the planet, specifically in the United States as well, on more great radio stations. We've got over 190 stations today, and we can have more than that. It just takes some time, takes some effort, takes a little bit of money, and so Damien's helping us out. Getting some cool perks as well over at amps.freetalklive.com. We go back to the phones. To the fun, Jack is on the line in Washington State. Jack, you're on Free Talk Live. Is your co-host, is, is he Chris? He is Chris. Yeah. Yeah. He had said earlier that the media basically picks our um, our nominations and our political figures. And I believe he was correct 20 or 30 years ago, but I'm about 40. I don't know. You look like you're about 33, 34-ish. I'm just guessing. I'm, yeah, I'm not thanks. Rude. <laughs> yeah. But I remember back when I used to hear the news, the radio on the news, CBS News, you know, top of the hour and I was like, oh, yes, okay, you know, that's what happened today, and that's what that is. Now when I hear any news pretty much anywhere, I'm like, huh, oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to look at this for like probably the next three weeks to figure out what's real, mm-hmm. you know? It's just like you can't believe. So I don't think the media chooses our candidates like they did in the past. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was Chris or a caller. People believe the media back then. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they have a disproportionate influence uh, nonetheless, even if it's more democratized. I don't know. I, I think he, I think I understand where, where you're coming from, Jack. The, their influence has waned. I would, I would say that is true. I mean, people can get independent news in a way they never could. Uh, people, you know, follow websites that they would never be able to get information from. Like, I can go to RT.com right now and get the, the news from the Russian government anytime that I want to. Uh, whereas 20 years ago, that would have been pretty much impossible. Uh, or 30 years ago, it certainly would have been impossible. 
So uh, their their influence has waned, but they still have this kind of constituency that has been in place for so long. I guess incumbency might be uh, the right word. They've been so, um, you know, uh, they've been around for decades. They've been around throughout generations. And it's definitely true that the older generations tend to identify more with it. If you look at the audience of, say, uh, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, these, these television news channels, their audience is elderly. They're, they're old. Many of them are, are literally dying off. Uh, newspapers, of course, their subscription rates are down dramatically. Many of them have gone out of business entirely. So I think you're right. Their their influence isn't what it used to be. But that said, uh, it definitely does not help to have the mainstream media completely ignore candidates. And that is absolutely what they do. Uh, they protect the incumbents. They protect the political class. And they're going to do it until the very last the very last day, you know, until they're completely wiped out because they can't get any advertising money anymore and they go out of business, they will continue to protect the status quo. That is essentially their role. Yeah. And it doesn't, you said help. It actually, I think it hurts them over time. And this is so, there's, this is such a uh, complex conversation. Just the whole media, social media, Technically, you and I, as we speak, are media, you know, a form of it. Oh, sure, sure. You know, and it's what's true, what isn't, and it's like it should be left up to the, each individual, each person, you know, in their own beliefs to make up their own decisions on things. And that's why free speech and a lot of libertarian beliefs are so powerful, is let everyone make their own decisions. Thank you, Jack, for the call tonight, man. I definitely appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, uh, again, that the independent media is stronger than it's ever been. I mean, we are, we're just this little talk radio show, and yet we've managed to acquire over 190 radio uh, stations. <laughs> but all that said, you know, d- despite the fact that we're on 190 radio stations, I mean, anybody that listens to this weekday show regularly knows that tonight's unusual like we've had an unusual number of of phone calls of people participating in in the in the program because we have like the regulars that that call in and that's usually about it like it's a good night if we can get a few extra people calling in besides the regulars and we've had that and that's been tonight we've had that be the, the the case tonight um, but it's amazing considering how many stations were on the amount of the very small amount of actual participation that we receive. Yeah, it's it, it really is amazing actually how little participation there is. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm I'm actually blown away by how little. I mean, just considering that. I mean, this isn't. I mean, I know you, I know you're saying it's a little radio show, but it's not. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. Still, a lot of stations. It's a lot of stations. <laughs> Even if those are all small stations, that's a yeah. lot of stations. And I know, I know some of the stations they're are not larger, all live. But yeah. yeah, yeah, and obviously they're not all live. But yeah, no, you're right. It's there's very little participation. I mean, just because there's not a lot of participation doesn't mean there aren't people listening. We know that that's right. true. Right. And we know that it's always a very, very small percentage of anyone who's listening that will actually ever pick up a phone and uh, and call in. But. But that said, uh, the numbers show it. I mean, even in the radio business, which I love. I mean, I've been I've been in radio my entire life since I was a teenager. Um, so I mean, it's certainly it's close to near and dear to my heart. But I've seen the numbers. I know that the the incumbency of radio is waning, just as the newspapers and 
uh, and broadcast television is is waning. Those audiences, those eyeballs, those ears, they are going to the internet and they're going to alternatives where the the individuals are are able to find programming that is more you know correct for them it's it's broadcasting you're broadcasting to a huge audience of you have no idea who whereas on the internet it's completely different you're essentially narrow casting to a very specific group of people that have in most cases sought you out uh, on the internet so it's like two completely different worlds out there and they don't they don't tend to mix very well i mean or you've been presented by a different set of entities tech tech companies too is often sure. frequently how people come across stuff so that's true there are some influential tech companies out there yeah. that are pushing product i mean uh, joe rogan for instance is the the world's top podcast and he's on a major platform spotify i think is yep. uh, is what it is and now yeah. it, it may be true though that the content being presented to you is more uh likely to be catered to you though so mm-hmm. nonetheless but you may still get one person over another person who's favored by the algorithms there is that yeah. too uh but of course if you want to find us online you can just go to freetalklive.com you can uh, access archives of the show there that go back for many years they are completely free. You can watch us online on our Odyssey channel anytime you want. Of course, we prefer you watch live if you can. We're on 7 to 10 at night Eastern every single day. You can go to video.freetalklive.com. Follow our Odyssey channel there. And uh, those are great ways for you to encounter the show. Of course, we have, we've always had audio streaming for, I don't even remember how many. I think, did we stream? No, I guess we didn't stream the original shows way back in the, in the day. But we did have MP3s from day one. So we've nice. always kind of been, you know, our feet have been in both worlds of the old and the new media so join the show we got plenty of time for you the phones are open 603-283-6160 you can take control of the airwaves here on free talk live and bring up whatever's on your mind at 603-283-6160 more coming up and you can join us free talk live phones are open you can join us here at 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 ian and chris in the studio here tonight don't forget to check out chris on his show freedom decrypted he does it every saturday afternoon evening five o'clock ish uh, yep. eastern time it's a video program also there's an audio component you can subscribe to the podcast if you prefer to listen and not watch you can do that over at freedomdecrypted.com, uh, and that's where you can find the live show and archives galore. Yep. Three years now? How many years? Yeah. Three, three years. years. Yeah, it goes back three years. Very nice. Point. Check them out. It's it's a freedom-oriented tech show, basically. So if you're interested in technology... Yeah, it's a tech show for prickly people. Like, yeah. Well, you like how to, I like to If you like it. to get out into the weeds of, uh, <laughs> of the technicals, you, you can handle that we stuff. We get into a little bit more there. detail on Free Talk Live, but cover basically the same kind of stuff, just more of the tech stuff. Right. So check them out at freedomdecrypted.com. As we go back to your phone calls and thoughts, Kelly is calling us from... Rochester, New Hampshire. Kelly, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi. I just wanted to touch base about what's going on uh, in New Hampshire. It's been a pretty crazy week, so we've really worked extremely hard. I say we because um, as the other caller, they call in Therese, and there's many, many people, activists in the state, a lot of grassroots from Rebuild New Hampshire folks, a lot of very much uh, Freedom Liberty people that are working in the House, and Rise Up New Hampshire, Health Freedom New Hampshire, New Hampshire Healthcare Workers for Freedom, there's a ton of us. And um, we've worked very, very hard on a lot of these bills in getting 
parents involved and testifying and everything else. And for the governor to come out and say that he was going to veto the parental rights bill, and then uh, that came out yesterday. And then today, he actually um, vetoes the mask bill, basically. And The mask was- bill, I saw the news about this, uh, as I understand it, the bill would have prohibited school districts from mandating masks on students. It was passed by the Senate. It was passed by the House in New Hampshire. And old Chris Sununu, the uh, the power freak himself, decided to use the veto on that bill. That's what you're referring to? Yeah, it was HB uh, 1131. Mm-hmm. I mean, we people spent, to include me, hundreds of hours working on this and wow. emailing. I mean, and isn't, I just can't even. Isn't, I, we, I was isn't this just another today. good reason to pull your kids out of the public school? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I I don't have my kids in the public school, but I mean, I, I think it's really important because there's everybody has are coming from a different place. So, you know, there's for example, the single mom that's in Manchester and even talking about it kind of gets me all teared up because, Mm. you know, during, during the lockdown, you know, she's the only person that is working to provide for her family, for her three children. What was she going to do? And it it doesn't have any other option. So so my understanding is New Hampshire passed a law here recently that would uh, basically allow you to take the funds from your school district and spend them elsewhere. Uh, it's called an education oh. savings account, as I understand it. Correct. It's like a yes, yep. It's where they're called freedom, um, freedom education accounts, and that happened in the fall. Um, some people, you know, there was not a lot of communication. They um, unfortunately, the all the fake Republicans put a um, put a limit on it, meaning an income limit. So that was an issue too. Um, so if you're a family of four. And you made over, you know, $80,000 or what it is, you know, whatever it was. And just so you know, if you live on the seacoast, that's basically like living in a van down by the river. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. $80,000? So basically, there's probably not that many people who could even take advantage of this. Correct. A lot. So, ooh, that's an interesting limitation. Correct. So, and I'm not sure where it went this time around. It went back and they were trying to work on... um, you know, changing those income limits. But that was the whole thing is that you've got all these Republicans that are championing, oh, school choice, school choice. Okay, well, that's only for the certain few. It doesn't matter whether you make $1,000 a year or a million dollars a year. That is your money that you're paying in in your taxes, Mm -hmm. and that should go to everyone equally. So, and you know, you can use it, of course, for tutoring. You can use it for special ed services or anything like that. You can use it for private school. So that was really beautiful, and it came out to about um, $5,000 a kid. So Yeah, and I believe it got maxed were, out, too, like the budget or whatever. Did. Like there's no, there was no more room, so it, be, it, be, it was very popular. The Democrats tried to, Interesting. Uh, tried to undo the whole thing this year, and they uh, believe they were unsuccessful at doing that. So it remains in place, although, as you pointed out, Kelly, there is that restriction. So I didn't uh, realize there were caps on it and all sorts of other issues with it. Well, it's government, right? There's yeah, no- of course. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be surprised on that one, but but it's a starting point. Yeah, it is a starting that, point that can could be worked from. I mean, obviously, those of us who really love uh, freedom want to see the the end of all government schools, but this is a step in the right and, and direction. I, I think I think I just want to be clear about something. We're not against schooling. We're not against education. What we're against is the government stealing from us all 
in order to fund programs um, that many of which are just many straight of indoctrination, right? They're indoctrination camps, and we don't even want. Um, you know, when, when a parent says they don't want to put their kid through the government indoctrination program, they should be able to pull them out and not have to pay taxes. You know, <laughs> that that basically just them uh, their own money. You know, being handed back to them. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Kelly, what else did and, you want to share? To be honest, you don't even need to. Yeah, you don't even really need to fund. Um, people don't even need to fund it anymore. So that's all coming in. So just, you know, with what happened with COVID, schools are taken care of and it bypassed the state. So it really didn't matter. The schools are actually getting paid to abuse your children. Mm. They were paid through ESSER grants and everything else, millions of dollars per school to, you know, muzzle your kids social distancing, indoctrination, and all of it. And that was all put in. So it really didn't matter whether so this is where the change was. So, yes, pull all your kids out, and that would, of course, collapse the schools. That's great, right? But not anymore because they bypassed the state completely with COVID. So all of that money went to the school. So it really didn't matter. If you had a school that was 500 large and, and you lost, you know, let's say you pulled out 150 kids, well, that would debilitate a school, not anymore, because the federal government pays for it now. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of mm. look into that. And Governor Kristen Nunu is completely involved in that. Oh, yeah. I know Teresa, uh, yeah. So we have to take out that tyrant. It's just awful. I mean, Daniel Horowitz did some, like, just pants on fire tweets today, and it was awesome. And it was about Sununu, and he wrote, if a local, whoops, oh, my gosh, my computer just, oh, <laughs> My computer just went out, of course. It sleeps when that happens. Can you summarize it? Um, yes. It says, if a local government were to duct the mouths of children and commit human rights violations, that would be okay because suddenly local governments have an unalienable right, but people don't. And that's what he's saying. He's like, oh, this is about a local control issue. Really? You shut down the entire state. You told people where they could go and where they could work and what they could do. You picked the winners and the losers in the state for literally like a year and a half with over a with over a hundred different executive orders, and you're telling me now, oh, local control? Yeah, yeah. What a hypocrite! So Great point, Kelly. Uh, anything else you want to share? <laughs> no, that's it. Just uh, hope we can take them out. That's it. So, I appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Thank you for the call tonight, uh, Kelly Collin from New Hampshire. Uh, definitely appreciate the call. Number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. It's refreshing to actually have some activists call into this show because we've we've said for years hey you know if, it doesn't matter if you're in new hampshire by the way if you if, yeah. if there's some cool like libertarian activism going on we want to know about it um and almost no one ever takes especially us up on especially different people because we yeah. do have a few activists like david lee who regularly calls sure. but having people that you know we don't hear from yeah that's what i find really interesting yes yeah, it's, it's uh, it was refreshing here the number though you still have time if you want to join us and again you can be from anywhere uh, the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. I know the Libertarian Party, for instance, is getting ready to have a convention. I think next weekend. National? Yeah, the National okay. Party, and there's a bunch of people all revved up for this thing. Yeah. It's like all I can do is just roll my eyes and from you know, a former yeah, <laughs> national from a former member. life member. Yes, of the life National member. Libertarian Party is like, all right, well, good luck, guys. Uh, good luck fighting over this relatively ineffective organization. And I don't know. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, if they're able to take it over and they can turn it into uh, an outreach party again that actually is principled, then I think that would be I mean, a good thing. Even if, I, it, even if it was principled again, it's not effective. Yeah. yeah. If you want to be effective, you got to move to New Hampshire. I'm sorry. There's just no other option. Uh, more coming up here in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. 
Talk Live. Moments remain. Maybe enough time for you if you join us now. The number is 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's Ian and Chris. 603-283-6160. You can join us online. Head over to our social media site. It is a Mastodon-based system. That means it's open source. It's self-hosted. It's federated, and that means that it's connected to other Mastodons all around the planet. Unless, of course, they don't want to be connected to us, which they <laughs> might not be, some of them. Uh, but uh, it's a pretty cool system, and it's free to use. And it also means, since we're running it, it's more free for you to express yourself as compared to, say, big tech mega corporations that are running social media sites out there. Uh, head over to social.freetalklive.com. You can get started and communicate with other Free Talk Live listeners there as well as hosts of the show. Social.freetalklive.com. We're going to your calls and thoughts. Sean is calling us from Florida. Sean, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. How you doing? Uh, just uh, just uh, uh, found out about you guys about two or three weeks ago, and I love the name, and Thanks. I support you 100%. All right. What's on your mind today? Uh, just, well... I hear the young lady talking earlier, and and uh, I'm dealing with DeSantis down here, and it, it is a struggle. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I got 41 years on the books. I'm retired. I'm now uh, collecting SSDI, which I paid into. It's not welfare. Mm-hmm. I've got five boys, four of them well-adjusted. The fifth one is two. At 15, he's, uh, he's doing just fine. They're all going to be okay. I am concerned about what's going on in this country, uh, whether it be in New Hampshire, whether it be in Florida, whether wherever it would be on the East Coast, West Coast, on the border. What would you say a main concern is for you? Right now, uh, what the future is going to be for my my boys, for my my ex-wife and and, uh, Chrissy and and our boys. And uh, in this country, um, the whole, everything's going to go up. We know that sooner or later. Uh, when you I'm say everything's going to go up, that. are you? What are you referring to? As far as uh, prices, as far oh, yeah. as uh, groceries, as far as gas, uh, it, we, haven't they already? That, oh yeah. We, we can't. We can't expect that to just be a given that everything's going to drop, drop, drop. So I understand that. I'm not uh, to the far right. I'm not to the far left. But there has to be some kind of middle that we as Americans can come to and agree upon and move forward. And that's what we're really, really, really good at. I don't know if Americans are good at uh, moving forward and agreeing on things. Mm. It seems like Americans are more um, separated than they've ever been. There's more division uh, than ever. People are taking sides. They're digging in. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that that's the way things are going. And, and if it leads to a national divorce, if it leads to a secession, then I think that that is ultimately, in the long run, it'll be re- rough in the beginning, but in the long run, it'll be healthier for uh, for everybody. Yeah. It, this kind of reminds me of an expression involving fences. You know, a good neighbor. <laughs> there's a fe- have good fence. Yeah, yeah, have a good fence. You have a good neighbor. Uh, that's why I bought 4.8 acres and hollered it out and got away from my neighbors. But I totally agree <laughs> and understand where you guys are coming from. I would bet, I don't know, but you guys are no older than 30-ish. Okay? Oh, no, I, we're, so, I'm, I'm in my early 40s and Chris is about yeah, to be there. Okay. <laughs> Definitely very far, God, close behind. <laughs> God bless you. And uh, you can tell them and you can teach them and you can show them. But until you go through it, 
they don't know it as far as your kids. Sure. And that's I true. totally agree with what you guys just said. And that's what makes us so great, though, because of what you said and what I've said. And and it can happen. And I understand where you're coming from, believe me, because um, we are looking at totally different times than we did 40 years ago. Is there any and talk about secession in Florida? Is there any buzz at all? Do you know? Do you ever hear anybody talking secession about Secession as, as far as how? Secession, meaning uh, F- Florida would leave the United States and be its own country. Uh, absolutely not. But I will tell you this, uh, the governor we have right now and whoever the governor is, okay, that I will try and support uh, we are not commanded by the federal government, okay? <laughs> because as far as Florida goes, is what Florida does, and that's the way it should be. Every state, like New Hampshire, like Vermont, I've been there. Don't you think like you'd be Maine, better off I've though? I there. mean, don't you think that? Uh, don't you think Florida would be better off on its own? I do not. Why? Absolutely not. It's called the United States of America. I know what they call reason. it, but why would you say that you'd be better off uh, with Washington D.C.? Uh, California, New York, uh, you know, Illinois. Okay, all these... stop right there. Stop right there. You mentioned California, New York. I'm not associated with California or New York. But you are through you're, the United you're States. me about Florida. Florida is well, not going to succeed. Is. Florida will stand on its own against Washington, D.C., if that's what needs to be, just like New Hampshire would. But, it, just but like you Vermont just said you, you don't just think like it's... Maine would. Well, okay, so you're saying sort of two different things. You're saying on one hand, I don't hand, think it's in our best interest to succeed. That's what I. That's what I believe. Succeed. I mean, okay. okay. So here's the thing. What do you think that means? Because it seems like most people have this idea that if if you know Florida were to secede or New Hampshire were to secede, that no, all of a sudden we wouldn't succeed. trade with each other, or we wouldn't be able to you know cross borders or something of that nature, or we wouldn't be united mm. in a more uh, no, you know, societal no, or people. Do not put or, words in my mouth. Do not put words in my mouth. No, no, no I'm asking. I'm asking. We are better off united. Okay. What does that mean but, to you? We cannot let the federal government dictate our lives. That's what I'm saying. And that's clear and that's defined. Okay, so what you're saying is effectively what the United States was meant to be but has not become. Um, it's a struggle. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Everybody is not doing it. And I, I say that for everyday person as far as people checking out left and right, mentally and physically, every day in this country. And I say that for every country in this world. Let, let me ask you one more question. It. What, it is not easy. What would the feds have to do uh, for you to support secession? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, that is a very, very good question. The feds, uh, well, doing what they're, they keep up doing what they're doing right now. Okay. And that's a load of, of uh you know what? Okay. <laughs> well, I can guarantee like you, Sean, the they are going to keep up doing what they're doing oh, yeah. right now, and it's going to get worse. And I thank you for the call tonight. I definitely appreciate hearing from you. Glad you're a new listener out there, and, and thanks for, for joining us. Feel free to call us again sometime uh, because, you know, secession sounds pretty shocking. It sounds pretty like, whoa, what? Seriously? You guys are talking about this? Ah, didn't they settle that with the Civil War? I mean, there's all this propaganda around yeah. secession and this baggage uh, that it carries. And I'm glad you asked that question because that's a question that's going to get people's gears turning. It's like, all right, well, well, how much further do they have to push you? What other things that they haven't done yet? It, it, it seems to me that uh, I feel like, a, a, I don't know if I would say most people, but a lot of people seem to be on board with the idea 
they just haven't come to realize it yet, mm-hmm. I think. Right. It's, he was talking about, you know, being independent in a way, but wasn't willing to go that far. Right. Because it hasn't been talked enough. He doesn't. Yeah. yeah it's we're not there yet in terms of a, a societal understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like people are are in, in some sense supporting it. It's just, you know. That's why there's really something to it, whether it's a sort of esoteric principle or whatever, that you have to speak something into reality. Mm. Uh, and in order for secession or independence for a state or however you want to describe it, in order for that to become believable by people, they have to hear about it. It has to be talked about. It has to be talked about in more than one venue. It has to be heard more than just on Free Talk Live. It has to be on, you know, other mainstream media. It has to be talked about at the water cooler at work. It has to be brought up at church. There have to be people having conversations about it in more than one place in order for people to take it seriously as something that can be real. Until it happens, it's hard to believe, I think. That's true. And that'll be a huge change. I think Dave Ridley makes a good point in that nobody thought, I think this was Poland, um, nobody thought, you know, the Soviet Union, you know, like it would collapse or mm-hmm. that they would be independent. But when it happened, and then it did it. Yeah. You know, and the same thing happened in Ukraine. Nobody thought Russia was nobody believed it in Ukraine, but sure. then it happened. So it's the same kind of, you know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, that's true. Uh, once people can believe and that's ultimately why you talk first you yeah. have to speak it into people's beliefs. And then once people believe a thing is possible, then it is possible. Right. Because it's possible as long as people want it. As long as people believe it, then if enough people want it, it's inevitable mm. at that point. So you have to reach all these sort of inflection points yep. where you go from disbelief to belief to possible to it happened. Which is why everybody is, uh, you know, certain types are always saying it's impossible, it's impossible, it's impossible mm-hmm. because they're fighting it. That's right. And they're fighting it. And that's how they're fighting it. They are the status quo. Yeah. Those people. And they want yep. you to believe that. Uh, but all you have to do is just change your beliefs. And that's why, of course, numbers help if you have large numbers of people because then those conversations can happen in more ways more places right that's why new hampshire i think is one of the leaders in this area of independence for the future of course texas is uh, is always a hot spot as well california uh out of time for tonight but if you want to you can join us tomorrow we're here every night of the week 7 to 10 at night eastern time you can join us online anytime at freetalklive.com